الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا ladies and gentlemen welcome to the Safina Saudi nothing but facts live stream where we have a young guest cometh young man and sit and where's your food cometh and eat here and you yeah walk right in front of the camera no problem yeah. Okay. Surat Al-Munafiqun. We're on now the area where we have completed the story about the Munafiqin. Mm. By the way, I just have an announcement before we start. If you are a New Jersey resident, New Jersey, New Jersey resident, and you're in the healthcare industry, and there's some kind of pressure upon you to be part of, or you're just being asked to be part of a, a transition, a gender transition, and you're not up for that, it's not your thing, Okay. As the new generation says, I'm not trying to be part of that. Okay. Um, send me a direct message, right, to through WhatsApp, through Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Okay. Send me that message and it, with your name, your email, and um, what the nature of your job. Because there will be a meeting. And with some lawyers and with some uh, religious freedom experts or, or consultants. Okay. Now, let's get to Surah Al-Jum'ah, uh, Surah Al-Munafiqun, where we completed the story of the Munafiqin. Okay. And... Innama... Mm, أموالكم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تلهكم أموالكم ولا أولادكم عن ذكر الله. You understand what I just said? You don't speak. You don't understand what I'm saying? You don't speak Arabic? What do you speak? English. What else? Okay. يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تلهكم أموالكم ولا أولادكم عن ذكر الله. The Mufassireen said, Dhikrillah here means praying on time. That's what it means here. Dhikrillah here means salah on time. And the meaning of this verse is, do not, O oh believers, do not allow your children and your wealth to make you delay your salah. Okay? And for those who are, go above and beyond in their ibadah, they're seeking the path of ihsan. They go above and beyond in their ibadah, then here, in this case, dhikrillah means the other nawafil that they do. Okay, so let's say you're somebody who is always doing some nawafil, okay, uh, then now you have a new job, well, don't let yourself fall off. Okay, these nawafil. All right. That's what it means. Whoever busies themselves... 
with the dunya and now their deen is suffering. Not acceptable. What does deen suffering mean? Yeah, now they're doing prohibitions. Or they're delaying their ibad or they're not praying at all. Okay. Allah talks about some people in praise. With proper tajweed. Okay. Their trade and um, buying and selling does not distract them from the remembrance of Allah. If you do do that and you do allow for yourself to be distracted in such a manner from the remembrance of Allah, then you're losing yourself. You're the one who is, you're losing out on yourself. Okay, you are the one losing. No one else is losing except you. Because, think about it, who's in charge of your disc? If the president of the company walks in and you're working, right? Don't you stop what you're doing and pay attention to him? And there's, Right? If the president of the company was to walk in and you're here working for Nike design and shoes, the president of the company comes in. You stop what you're doing. Phil Knight has just walked in. You stop what you're doing. You pay attention to the president. What? Because he's the source of your employment. If you anger him, you'll be out. Right? So who is ultimately the source of all of our wealth? Is it not Allah? And he, when people say, I don't want to make wudu, I just want to move on because I'm busy. Hold on, don't you think Allah could busy you with something else? Like you could become made busy by something else. So this is the idea here of recognizing where is the source of your disq. And this is an amazing practice. Every time we're doing something, okay, I'm checking emails, I'm working on something. Let's say you just wanted to, just like wudu, people are lazy about making wudu. Wudu is an amazing thing to do. Right? All the time. We do. Right? And so, people are lazy about it. Oh, I don't have time. Okay? I don't have time to make we do. Let me just do this real quick. Don't you know that you can be delayed? Allah can delay you if you went that route? Because we know the hadith that there are three people. One person saw the remembrance of Allah and he rushed to it. In other words, saw a halaqah of the Prophet ﷺ and he didn't want to go, but he was embarrassed to turn his back. And the third one, he just didn't go. He said, I saw it, but he didn't go. So what did the Prophet ﷺ say? One, he came quickly to Allah. Allah came quickly to him. Meaning with reward and forgiveness. The other one was embarrassed to uh, leave and turn his back to it. So Allah was... Had, was embarrassed from him. And what does that mean? That means he didn't get much reward, but he got forgiveness from his sins. And then who is the third one? He turned his back on Allah, so Allah turned his back on him. What does it mean Allah turned his back on him? It means that Allah did not make his matters easy. He had affairs he was going to and he was busy with. Allah could have helped him okay, with that. Now he's not getting that help. Okay, because he turned his back on Allah. So that's the idea. An angel puts in a whisper is a good idea in your head. An angel whispers a good idea in your head. And what do you do? You end up, you can listen to it or you can ignore it. If you ignore it, eventually you won't even hear it. Eventually. Okay. People asking about the celebrate life or also maybe called the celebration of virtue. Yes, we have the intention to do it. Let's see if 
I got a response from the people that I've invited. I did get a response from from one out of the two. We are holding it, inshallah. It's probably going to be at a park. We we have to see. Yes. Hello. I'm good, but I'm um, I'm recording a live stream right now. I'll have to call you back. Wonderful, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, you too. Bye. Next aya says aya number t- uh, ten now. وَأَنْفِقُوا مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ Give charity from what you give. Anything Allah has given you, give it back to others. Give it out to others. Okay. من قبل أن يأتي أحدكم الموت before you get you uh, before death comes to you if you shared when in your life now hardship is what's the greatest hardship is it not death death is the greatest hardship right nothing could be harder than dying but you your whole life helped other people in hardship so now you get help okay you're gonna get help and we help others not expecting them to help us back, but rather expecting and hoping for that help to hang in a balance sheet with Allah. And when it hangs in Allah's balance sheet, Allah can increase it in in multiple folds. And then when we need it most, then it comes back to us. I help somebody, that person may not be able to help me. He may not be able to, he may not be able to help me with this. And some people can't help you. Some people you'll never see them again. So if you imagine that helping other people, that the help, the response has to only come from that person, you're making a mistake. No, it's in the balance sheet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doubles it however he wishes based upon your intention. And the moment you need it, it comes down. That's why people get help when they least expect it. How does that happen? Well, it was in the balance sheet of what you have, how much you helped other people. It was in the balance sheet. So that's why Allah helped you back. Okay. فَيَقُولَ رَبِّ لَوْلَا أَخَّرْتَنِي إِلَىٰ أَجْلٍ قَرِيبٍ فَأَصَّدَّقَ وَأَكُمْ وَأَكُمْ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ Many people, when they are about to die, they go, they're about to die, what do they do? They ask, oh Allah, or here, when they do die, they're going to say, oh God, let me come back to life and do good deeds. Because they realize, oh, this new world that we're in, it's all about good deeds. The wealth is deeds. The poverty is bad deeds. So they're going to say, oh Allah, send me back so I can do good deeds. There's no point. What you do in this life, when you die, if you have were to have lived a thousand more times, you would have done the same. That is how, that's what uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, tells us. Okay, No, because if you're going to go back, you would have done the same deeds. You would be, you, you, nothing would change. If you were to say, oh Allah, let me hit the reset button. After you died, you said that? No, it doesn't work like that. So that's why he's saying, give sadaqah before you die. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab is recorded, said, live every moment. At this moment, live as if you're going to meet Allah very soon. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to, I'm going to go back and meet my creator. But if it's for your worldly affairs, like my money and my food, then live as if you're going to live forever, meaning you have to plan, okay, and there's two meanings of that. The first meaning of it is you can delay it as if you're going to live forever. Like there's no loss. It's going to come. 
I don't, there's no rush. I mean, I don't have to rush. That's one meaning of it. The second meaning of it is that you plan. I have to have a plan. I have to have a, uh, a, a plan for 10 years down, 100 years down. So there's two meanings to it. One is that don't, don't worry about delaying it because I'm going to live forever. And the second meaning is that plan for living a long time. Okay. Uh, next. هذا قول المغادر وقالوا نزلت الآية في المنافقين قيل نزلت الآية في المؤمنين والمراد بالصلاح هنا الحج وأكم من الصالحين meaning to make hajj. All right. Some specified the general. It's called the specification of the general. Okay. And that's what all of tafsir is all specifying the general and generalizing the specific. So in one sense, a dhikr is general, but it means the five prayers, according to the tabi'in. And another, I'll be from the righteous. Okay, that's general. And then they specified it to um, to mean hajj, according to one of the opinions. Okay. وَرَوَ الضَّحَاكُ وَعَطِيَّ عَنِ ابْنِ عَبَّاسٍ أَنَّهُ قَالَ مَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ يَمُوتُ وَكَانَ لَهُ مَالٌ لَمْ يُؤَدِّ زَكَاتَهُ وَأَطَاقَ الْحَجَّ فَلَمْ يَحُجَّ إِلَّا سَأَلَ الرَّجْعَةَ عِنْدَ الْمَوْتِ So that's why they, they said this, because these two ayahs have to do with zakat and hajj. Or this, is, Ibn Abbas says, no one dies, and he had wealth that he had to give out as zakat. And he had the ability to make hajj, but he never did it. All right. When they die, they're all going to say, Oh, Allah, let me come back. I'll pay my zakah and I'll make hajj. Okay. Whenever these general good deeds are mentioned, sadaqah, dhikrillah, sad, uh, being a salih, it's specified to an obligation. So the first obligation is the five prayers that he said here. Okay, don't be busy by your wealth and your family from dhikrillah. Remembrance of Allah means the five prayers. Then he says here, I'll give charity and I'll be good. It means zakah and hajj, right? So you see the methodology of the mufassirin. General term is pinned to an obligation, okay? Qara'a amr wa akuna min as-salihin. Okay, وَأَكُمْ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ حَفْظ عَمْرْ وَأَكُونَ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ قَالَ إِنَّمَا حُذِفَتِ الْوَاوُ مِنَ الْمُصْحَفِ اِخْتِصَارًا And he said that they just removed the wow for brevity's sake from the writing of the Qur'an وَقَرَأَ الْآخَرُونَ وَأَكُنْ بِالْجَزْمِ عَطْفًا عَلَى قَوْلِهِ فَأَصَّدَّقَ وَأَكُنْ Next ayah, وَلَنْ يُؤَخِرَ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهَا وَاللَّهُ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ Alright. If your time has come to die, you cannot delay it. Time comes to die, you cannot delay that time. Alright, we begin the next surah. You heading off, young man? You heading off? You go ride your bike? So what do you what do you do in the summer? You just ride your bike? Huh? Suratul Jumu'ah now. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Yusabbihu lillahi ma fi s-samawati wa ma fi al-ard al-malk al-quddus al-aziz al-hakim. Huwa al-ladhi ba'ath fi al-ummiyyina rasul. Ya'ni al-Arab kanat umma, ummiyya, la taktub wa la taqra. 
So the ayah means praise be to Allah. Yusabbihu lillah. Constantly happening. Yusabbihu lillah. Who is praising Allah? Man fis samawati wal ard. Those in the heavens and those in the earth. Al-Malik al-Quddus. What is the description of Allah? He's the king. He's the sacred. Or he's the blessed. The most noble. The most wise. And he's the one who sent amongst the unlettered people. The non-Jews. The non-Hebrews. The Gentiles. A messenger. From amongst themselves. Reciting upon them his words. Allah's words. him purifies them how does the, how does the prophet purify us by directing us to the deeds that will purify us that's how the prophet and you could purify somebody too purify somebody by teaching them how to purify themselves the deeds that would purify themselves like what tahara pray to rakas make a good wudu pray to rakas listen to a couple verses of quran on your headphones you know, this is really powerful listening to quran on your headphones where that's all you hear it has extremely powerful impact on someone there was a man who used to cure people who had various depressions and psychiatric disorders. And he would say, listen, do your thing with your doctor and everything, but let me give you another cure. It's just so that nobody says, no, I believe in science. I don't believe in this stuff. All right, fine. Do that thing. But listen to me too. And he used to say that um, 15 minutes first thing in the morning, brush your teeth, you get your cup of tea or whatever. And you put the headphones on and you listen to the Quran and you look at the name of Allah. Okay? You look at the name of Allah. You look at the card. You just put it in front of you, that's all. And you sit and relax and just listen. And do this 15 minutes at dhuhr time. Put the name of Allah, gaze upon the name. There's even a hadith. Zags? How's Meta? What? Meta has given you a day off? Uh, Taking a half day. Taking a half day, mashallah. When the metaverse is built, we know who built it. Inshallah. So then um, They do the same thing There is a hadith about looking at the mushaf Looking at the Kaaba Looking at your parents okay. Then there He says do it again three, 15 minutes at night These people within a few days Or in weeks Were transformed Their mood was transformed Their state was transformed By the intensity That you're looking at the name of Allah And you're listening to the Quran It's the in very intense amount of light Is coming into your heart Doing what? Nothing. You're literally not doing anything. No distraction. Just listen to the Quran on the headphones and listen to the look at the name of Allah or look at the Kaaba or look at Medina. Look at so your sense, sensory perception of your eyes and your ears is intensely receiving the light of Allah. You know, uh, recently you yeah. gave me that uh, those two, you remember the, it was like velvet with Allah's name and. and where where is it? I hung it up in my room, like with the frame. Oh yeah 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 and that like, yeah. Yeah, and I noticed like such a big change. Like now it's like it's right in front of you, so it's like first thing you see. First thing you see, so it's like your salah is like you just you just feel like you have to be upright all the time. Like you can't you can't lack in any category. Yeah, you can't it's lack like all the time. It's remembrance. Like you, if you're in your room and you're just trying to relax, yep. it's like oh wait, you look at that and then you're like. Alright, I should probably be reading something That's true. Or like get up and do something, right? So it's like, it does really change It really things. transforms everything yeah. SubhanAllah Okay, so he healed people by this Gentlemen, ya ikhwan Guests from the Kamith Utkuluha bisalam and aminin Enter into it Bismillah Tuhaddaru Okay 
Salam, young man. Sheikh, we bought you uh, some sweets. Some sweets? Allahu mm-hmm. Akbar. What is this? Hamza sent us. Hamza who? Hamza Rida. Raza. Salam alaikum. Gentlemen, all these young men are coming in to study with us this summer, right? Inshallah. Salam alaikum. Gentlemen. All right. Name and city where you're from? Saad and from Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Allahu Akbar. Brother, come sit right there. Abdullah from Atlanta. Brahim from Atlanta. Brahim from Atlanta. Just arrived, you guys? All of us are from By car? We were from New York. We came from New York. You took a flight to New York yeah. and then came with an Uber? Yeah. Bangladesh via Atlanta. Yeah. MashaAllah. Jahir, Atlanta. MashaAllah. So you guys are all from one community? Yeah. yeah. And you got some Atlanta, some sweets from Atlanta, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll Let's go with that. Ooh, glob jamins and um, pistachio flavored things. This stuff is, it is good stuff. It is good. And silver covered. It's silver covered, by the way. So I'm going to pass it from the right to the left and take whatever you would like. Hmm? I'll take one first. I'm going to use my this bag here as my my plate. No, I'm going to take some of the silver piece right here. Just not the whole thing, just some of it. Bismillah. Mm. The, the pistachio is like a Ras Malai-ish type of thing, right? I'm a big fan of Glob Jam. Good stuff. Very good stuff. So talk to me, Shabab. What do you all know about college students? Just graduated. So graduating soon. Yeah. From which university? Emory? Uh, I'll go to school in Philly. Philly? Which school? Smart one over here, mashallah. Next, here's your mic, by the way, guys. Atlanta. <laughs> Which part of Atlanta? University of Bangladesh State. Georgia State University. Georgia State. Okay. Harvard of the South. <laughs> is it? <laughs> or the Ohio State of the South? All right, you. Yeah, I uh, recently graduated from Georgia State as well. Georgia State. Augusta. Augusta. With golf, uh, uh, golf studies. Mashallah, <laughs> <laughs> mashallah, good. So uh, Coca Cola is like what made Atlanta, right? Yeah, and Delta. Yeah, yeah. And right. Delta. Delta Airlines. Oh, I don't know. They're down there. No one knows about that. Is it true? Okay, I didn't know that. But but Coca Cola way back, you know, that's like uh, what made Atlanta. So you know what made New Brunswick? No, close. <laughs> uh, nope. Something you guys all have a, one of their products in your house. Well, you know, take your mic and stick it here in the middle so you can all hear it. Marble, Marble. And push it up, too. Oh, the wire's not long enough? Okay, no problem. Uh, Johnson & Johnson. The, the, the Band-Aid and the first aid kit was invented here. Way back in the day. Way back in the day, the Band-Aid and the first aid kit were invented right here in New Brunswick. And as a result of that, um, those people, because they are ahead of the curb, right? So there's three ways to get ahead of the curb. curve. You either be the first one to do something, you beat people to it. You don't have to be the best. Just you were there first. Speed. Or you're the smartest one, okay? Or you cheated, right? That's usually how you place greatness. It's one of those things. So uh, J&J... There were three brothers, actually, Johnson and Johnson and Johnson, but it was, like, too much to say, so they just called it Johnson and Johnson. 
and the oldest one was the leader, and, and they invented the Band-Aid and the first aid kit. Then they went up and down the Jersey Shore, you know, giving out these first aid kits, okay, which involved, like, uh, sun, uh, you know, sunscreen, bandages. People walk on, people need bandages all the time. So they're the ones who invented that, and they went around to all buildings selling this first aid kit, and they're the ones who invented the Band-Aid. So they were minting money. Like, literally, they probably, if they owned a printer, it would be slower. If they owned a printer that just printed money all day, it would be slower than the amount of money they made. For a good number of years, they're the only supplier of Band-Aids in the whole country. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? Right? Because I, a couple years back, Starbucks was doing this initiative. Every state had its symbol, right? Like, they put the state on the mug and all the different symbols related to it. So, like, for example, Texas had the longhorn cows, right? Georgia had, like... Um, yeah, stuff like that. So, and then they, I come to New Jersey, and I see a Band-Aid. I'm like, well, what's this, right? Then I looked into it, and then J&J. So we invented the Band-Aid. We invented the light bulb. was invented here in the state of New Jersey. It was Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, one of the, the greats in terms of technology and science. Legend Thomas Edison, um, the greatest inventor of all time, the greatest probably product maker of all time is Steve Jobs, but the greatest inventor of all time, there's no doubt. Like of all time that we know of, someone will probably say, Oh, well, Ibn so and so in India invented like uh, some eye surgery, yeah, I know about that, right? But from our times in our day and age, that we still use their stuff, no doubt about it. All right, let's, let's continue with the ayah. يُسَبِّحُ لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ الْمَلِكِ الْقُدُّوسِ What's the difference between al-Quddus wal-Mubarak? Al-Arda al-Muqaddasa wal-Arda al-Mubaraka. Al-Arda al-Muqaddasa al-Lati barakna fiha. Al-Taqdis is to remove all blemishes. Something is sacred. Sacred space. What does a sacred space mean? means that certain halal things you can't do here. Like the masjid is a sacred space. There are certain halal things that you can't do in the masjid, right? Uh, so it's sacred. Al-masjid al-haram, because there are many halal things you cannot do in this mosque. Okay, And sins are multiplied in this masjid, in the whole city of Mecca. And then, barakna fiha, um, Blessed, we blessed it means that there's an always an increase so that the food for two in this place will last for five people, four people, right? Food for one day will last two days. So there's barakah, there's an increase in khair. The reward is increased, everything is increased, okay? Everything is increased. So that's the difference between uh, al Quddus and al barakah uh, or al Qudsiyah wal barakah to put it in the in the same form. Now the messenger, this is a dua from Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. Sayyidina Ibrahim is the one who prayed and made dua for a messenger to be sent. Rasulam minhum. Yatlu alayhim ayati. What is the first thing he does? He recites your verses unto them. He purifies them. He teaches them the book and the wisdom. This is a proof against the Qur'aniyun. You know the Qur'anists who know hadith, Qur'an only? 
So someone here tell me, how is this ayah a proof? How is it a proof of that? How is this ayah that, oh, oh Allah, send them upon them a messenger who recites their, your verses to them, purifies them, teaches them the book and the wisdom. How is it a proof against the people who say, all we need is the Quran? It's because if the Quran only is only what we need, we don't need anything else, then we would only need the first part of the dua. Yatlu alayhim ayatik. He recites your verses. If all we need is the Quran, then that's all we need from the messenger. But Sayyidina Ibrahim knows that the book of Allah, all revelations from Allah, must come through the messenger. So the messenger could teach him what it means and show them how to apply it. Right? So then he added three things outside the book, other than the book. Three things. He purifies them. He shows them how to worship Allah properly. Okay? He pur purifies them and he teaches them the book he teaches them tafsir so wait a second if all we need is the quran why do we need the prophet to teach us the book it's because what you may think is the meaning of allah's words is not all right just like earlier before you guys came we mentioned at the end of surah al-munafiqeen surah al-munafiqeen you could say it both ways um it mentions dhikrillah and it mentions sadaqah and it mentions as-salah righteousness but the Mufassirin say, Dhikrullah here means the five prayers. Sadaqah means the obligatory zakah. And righteousness means hajj. So they, the Mufassirin are showing us that when there's a general statement in the Quran, a general good deed, it actually is connected or pinned and it refers to an obligatory deed, an obligation. So that's a method of teaching us what the Quran means. So the Prophet ﷺ is the first Mufassir of the Quran. But then, even more so. Well, okay, so he taught us the tafsir of the Quran. Shouldn't that be it? No. Well, hikmah. So that means there's a whole nother subset of knowledge besides the Quran, which is wisdom. So hikmah is the correct application of the Quran. Okay, so you can say, him, he shows them akhlaq. Just like Sayyidina Ali said to the Kharijites, when they said, we must rule by the Qur'an only. The Qur'an only is the judge. No ijtihad from a judge, a human judge. Sayyidina Ali brought the Mus'haf and he put it down. And he said to the people, he said to the Kharijites, come sit here. And I'm sitting here. And then he sat. And he said, oh Mus'haf, judge between us. Right? They said, no, no, we mean the meaning of the Qur'an. He said, ah, okay, your meaning? Your understanding of the meaning? Or my understanding of the meaning? So, uh, as people always ask, what is a madhab and why should I follow a madhab? The simplest answer is the word of Allah and His Messenger are explicit and interpretive. They're not, the, na the nature of the language of the Quran is not all one. Some of it's black and white, and some of it is interpretive. Dhanni. Some of it's qatai and some of it's dhanni. As for the qatai, no two Muslim can dis No, you're not allowed to disagree. It's only one meaning. Any, there's, there's no room for interpretation. So Tawheed is not an interpretation. One, the oneness of Allah is not an interpretation. It's Qatai. There's no interpretation in that which is Qatai. There's only interpretation in that which is Dhanni. Okay? Interpretive. 
equivocal. It could possibly mean two different things. And then what is the valid interpretation? This is all logic. Valid interpretation. It follows the rules of logic. It, fo- it, it, it is suitable with the language of the meaning of the words. And it does not contradict an explicit verse. It doesn't contradict another explicit verse. Such a tafsir is called a valid tafsir. Simple as that. That's why madhahib exists. Aqidah is one. And there are even masa'in in aqidah. There are madhahib in aqidah because not all the verses of aqidah are also explicit. There's interpretive verses of aqidah. Right? To give an innocent example, is munkar and nakir the name of two angels or the name of two titles of angels? Is raqib and atid actual names or are they positions? I like the opinion that it's positions. Right? Why? Because how many angels are there? Every individual by himself has two sets of angels. Right? Two come and judge him in the daytime, then they swap out, and two come and judge him at night. Are they all called Raqib and Atid? Right? When we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no repetition in the in the creation. Like no two faces look the same. No the malaika, every malak has his own name. Whereas humans, because we are, you know, what we are with our limitations, we may repeat things. Right? Ran out of ideas. Okay. And we just keep repeating. But malaika, they don't have lineage. They don't name each other after one another. Each one is created on his own and given his own shape, his own look, and his own name, and there's no two repetitions. Just like the things of this earth has no repetition. There's no repetition in any rock rock that you find, you can't find ever find the exact same rock. Any snowflake, you can't find the exact same snowflake. So it makes more sense, and that's a madhab, right? These these are madhab in aqidah. Not madhabs with names, but opinions, I should say. And there are many other opinions, matters that are subject to opinion in fiqh, uh, in aqidah. All right. And you find those in the details of the books. Okay. يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيَزَكِيمُ عَلَيْمُ كِتَابُ الْحِكْمَةِ وَإِنْ كَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلُ لَفِي ضَلَالِ مُبِينَ All right. Oh Allah, send them such a messenger, even if before this they were upon... A great misguidance. And what does that mean? Shirk. Okay. Worship idols. You know the story of Amr ibn al-Jamuh. Amr ibn al-Jamuh was so loyal to his idol Manat in Medina. And he had three sons who listened to the words of Mus'ab ibn Umair. Mus'ab ibn Umair was the very handsome, perfect ambassador of islam and he came in and he was so articulate and he then proceeded to give dawah and these three youths loved what he had to say but their dad was old was very old and he has already stuck in his ways and he loved his life they called they said come listen to this man speak musab ibn Umair. so he said okay and the, the the redeeming quality of this dad was that he was very good with his family. And so he said, okay, let's go. They went, and these three boys, their friend was the famous Sahabi Mu'adh ibn Jabal. He was their friend, so they were four. So they went, listen to Mus'ab ibn Umair. He said, what do you think of this speech? He said, this is amazing speech, wonderful speech. He said, then take the shahad. He said, first I have to ask Manet. I have to ask my idol. 
So he goes and he spends all night doing a, his worship of the idol, right? And the way that they used to do things is that there was a priestess, type of person who was like a priestess, and she would stand behind the idol while you prayed. If like just like in church, you want to give confession, you got to wait for the the, the 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 priest to come. You put the curtain, and you play this game where you don't know each other, right? As if he doesn't know you. Right, uh, and you give your confession, and sometimes they don't have to have a curtain. By the way, um, he then uh, they would put a priestess behind the idol, and then the priestess, whatever she'd be inspired to respond with, is the response of the idol. So the idol has to come through her. So she said he 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 gave this request. He basically did istikhara to the idol. Should I accept Islam and turn my back on you or not? And the priestess just remained silent. She didn't talk. A couple days passed. They said, Father, what's the answer? He said, well, honestly, we're waiting. We have to wait for the manat to talk. So they said, oh, we got we to gotta show him that manat is nothing. So in the middle of the night, they went out there and they dumped her in the garbage heap. They dumped the idol manat in the garbage heap. He got so angry in the morning. He kind of went there, got shock of his life. He's not there. It's in the garbage heap. Took her out. Cleaned the idol, poured perfume on the idol, and put it back in its place. All right. Next day, the boys did the same thing. Third day, he put a sword on the idol. He put a sword on the idol, and he said, protect yourself now. Next day, of course, next morning, they found the idol in the garbage heap, and the sword is nowhere to be seen. And it's the story of Amr ibn, J- ibn Jamuh. And then he... Uh, by they repeatedly kept doing this until he just sort of got used to the fact that this idol is nothing, right? And he gave up on Manet and he took his shahad. Okay, he took his shahad and he accepted Islam. That's the story of Amr ibn Jamur. And then when he was extremely old, he went out for the battle of Uhud. At the time, he's very old, and he made dua that morning, Oh Allah, I want to be a shaheed. I want to be a martyr. And the idea of going to paradise is literally, it's right in front of you. Imagine, just just imagine for a second, you're in a situation where you can literally just go to Jannah right now. So he goes to the battle of Uhud and he's take, and his son is with him. Right? And his son says, Father, I'm going to stay with you the whole time. He said, then maybe we both be martyred to go to Jannah together. And they went and he was limping in the battle. And he said, oh, Master, I'm going to go to the front lines. And he went to the front line, which means the chance of you getting killed is extremely high. And he fought and fought and fought until they got killed. So he died a martyr. Okay. Uh, this is, okay, an optimistic verse. Okay. This is all the Muslims who do not see the Prophet and are not from the Sahaba, right? The generations after them. Okay. He says here, and the meaning of it is, They said, they are the non-Arabs. Others said, they are those who come after. Okay. 
حدثنا أبو الحسن محمد بن يعقوب أخبرنا أبو النضر محمد بن محمد بن يوسف حدثنا الحسن ابن سفيان وعلي بن طيفور وأبو العباس الثقفي قالوا حدثنا قتيبة حدثنا عبد العزيز عن ثور عن أبي الغيث عن أبي هريرة قال كنا جلوسا عند النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذ نزلت عليه سورة الجمعة We were with the Prophet peace be upon him when Surah Al-Jum'ah was revealed upon us. When he recited this, this, uh, this phrase and others who have not reached them. Okay. A man said, Man ha'ula ya Rasulullah? Who are these, O Messenger of Allah? Falam yuraji'ahu nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet said nothing. So the man asked him again. The Prophet said nothing. The man asked him again, Who are those who haven't reached them? Those others who haven't reached them. Third time. Then the Prophet وسلم, said, uh, uh, And the man said, Among, uh, We have Salman al Farisi. In other words, he's a foreigner. Okay. Okay. He put his hand on Salman al Farisi and said, If Iman was up in the North Star, one of these people would have gotten it. What does that mean? Would have would have obtained it and reached it. It means when there are doubts and questions about Islam that could ruin our iman, that could set us astray, the Persians will come to the rescue. And they point to Abu Hamad al-Ghazali as being one of the best examples of this. The Prophet didn't specify one person, but he said men from this. Okay, The Persians, you want to know when the fate of the Islamic Ummah started to, to flatline and then go down in Islamic history? When the Persians were lost to the Shia. That's how valuable the Persians were in Islamic history. The Persians were so important. And amongst them Abu Hamad al-Ghazali the most important of all in terms of the, theology and I don't think anyone can doubt his contribution to, to defense the defense of Iman meaning the defense of Aqidah okay so the first meaning here is that that it's the non-Arabs who have not yet um, joined the ranks of Muslims Another narration, لو كان الدين عند الثرية لذهب إليه رجل أو قال رجال من أبناء فارس حتى يتناولوه. That's how ambitious they are. That's how competent they are. And that's how successful they are. There are people who achieve. They're achievers. The Persians. The Persians, were, are they ever, have they ever in Islamic history been a lowly, or, or in, in human history, have they ever been lowly? When were they ever lowly? Like you could say about the Egyptians, we've Egypt has had great monarchies, right? But it's never them. They stuck to the farms. They said, ah, you guys do what you need to do. We'll stick with the farms, right? Julius Caesar, take it. Alexander the Great before him, right? Finally, Julius Caesar comes, we'll make you Caesar before you arrive. Do you know they did that? They, they made him Caesar before he even arrived. They don't put up a fight. They just farm. We got the farms. Why would we need to care about politics about the cities we got the farms you need us so the egyptians made a deal very early on and it's part of their history they never fight for power they've been ruled 
from like, even the Pharaoh is not Egyptian. They're originally from Libya, right? The Egyptian, the, the Pharaohs, they're not originally from that part of the world. Of course, they came and lived generation after generation, right? But the Pharaohs were red haired, fair skin and red haired. How does that happen? Because they were Libyan. They were from Libya. They're traced back to the area of Libya. And who knows, Carthage, you know, all that stuff, right? All those eras. And they came down from there. All those people were mixed because it was a port, port area. They came down and they made, they took one of the finest plots of land and they made their kingdom there. But the Persians, you never find this happen in their history. No one ever rules over Persia. That's why when the Arabs defeated them, when the Prophet said, if, if when we defeat Persia, they're, they're done forever. Because this is the most backbreaking. Like, how could you? You are the Persians. All your arrogance, all your pomp, all your history. And you're going to lose to a small band of Bedouins and nomads. Right? So that's why the Prophet said, if, Qais, if Qisra is defeated, then there's no Qisra after him. If, if the Persian Kosros is defeated, then there is none after him. The final break. But the Persians have always been an ambitious people. They've always been a successful people. Okay? Even in, uh, they're now, they have, they're dominated by the fundamentalist uh, Shia. Right? These aren't, they're, they even, they did that better than anybody else. Right? They did that better than anyone else. In terms of, look what the Ayatollah did. From France, organized the revolution. And they kept it. Right? I mean, that's a feat. A feat. Forget their religion. But to organize a revolution, the British are against you, and you still did it. And then how many counter-revolutions are there? As soon as there's a revolution, everyone's tried to cook up and knock them out, and they're the easiest to get knocked out because they're not established. They kept it. So that's the praise of the Persians. The Prophet ﷺ has praised the Persians here. That they're achievers. No matter how high uh, the, the ambitious, ambition is, they're going to get it. He praised the Romans for five qualities. Is that nobody responds to a loss after them better than them, faster. Like when they lose, they respond quickly. They don't let their rulers take care of, uh, 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 oppress them. They don't let their kings oppress them. They take care of the weak and the insane. And they take care of animals. They care for these, um, uh, the, these vulnerable categories. What else? There's two other things I can't recall what they are. Like they're brave in fighting. I can't remember what the other two are. But the Prophet said and praised the general qualities that are found more likely than not. That's what it is. It's more likely than not they have this quality. Uh, he praised the Egyptians by saying that great soldiers will come from Egypt. Right? What did I say earlier? The Egyptians are satisfied with the farms. They don't want to rule. What did the Prophet praise them for? Great soldiers. Not generals. Not kings. Soldiers. Right? They don't like to rule. They like to relax themselves. You guys rule, and we'll be behind you. Right? And that's what they did. Because when you have the, 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 the cows, the amount of cows and water and veg vegetables that you have in Egypt, why would you bother with anything else? You got all the food you need. So that's what the uh, Prophet ﷺ had praised many different people. Okay. He praised Ahlul Yemen. What did he praise the Yemen people of Yemen for? The softest hearts. And because they have the softest hearts, wisdom descends in them. They're humble. All right, wisdom descends like the rain, so it goes to the lowest. Where is the most water? It's at the lowest area, right? 
So if you have a mountain, where is the most water going to be? Top of the mountain or bottom of the mountain? Bottom of the mountain. If you want to be humble, if you're humble and you go to the bottom of the mountain, you'll enjoy the most water. You don't have to worry. It will just come to you. If you're at the top of the mountain, though, you got to catch it quick. So the arrogant, they don't attain wisdom. The humble attain the wisdom. The Prophet ﷺ praised Ahlul Yemen for that. Different people had different praises. Okay. 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 But they are not amongst them and they will never reach their status. Nobody will reach the status of the Sahaba. This here is a praise. Okay. Another meaning of it. They have not yet reached them and they will never reach their status. So they have not yet reached them. They're not part of them yet. They're not part of the Ummah yet. That's one meaning. The second meaning is they will never attain their status. And they will never attain the status of the Sahaba. That's a fact. Right? Oh, well, why can't I ever attain a status just because I didn't live at a certain time? Yes, because Allah chose that. Right? Allah chose them over us. All right? And the way He chose them is to make them the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah, that's how it is. That's a simple fact. And some people once said, well, that's not fair. Well, hold on a second. Do you know how many species you're superior to as a human? How many species are there that you're superior to? All species are for us to use. Use, not abuse, right? Abuse is haram, use is halal. All species. So why don't you say, oh, I feel bad for the lamb. I feel bad for the goats. I feel bad for the dogs. Then how, where, how, how, where is this going? You could have been a jinn. Chances of guidance of a jinn is much lower than the guidance of a human, right? You could have been a jinn. So at what point are you going to stop questioning Allah? Okay. One, one person even questioned me, why is Hawa, why was Hawa created second, not, for, not equal? I said, you, you don't bring some, you don't ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لا يسأل عما يفعل. He's not asked about what he does. Have you seen the, what the universe looks like out there? Have you seen how vast it is? Have you seen how amazing it is? Why would you talk when this creator creates? You zip it. Have you seen how amazing this creation is? How vast it is. How powerful it is. When this creator takes an action, you know this is the wisest course of action. And this leads us to the question in theology, could things have been better? Right? And Ghazali said that the, the universe as it is could not have been better, not because Allah does not have the power to do so, because he has not willed so. It's impossible that there be a better universe than this. Not impossible in relation to Allah's qudra, but in relation to his irada. Not that he could, could not, by his will, he could do what he wishes of the mumkinat, of the rationally possible things, right? Meaning non-contradictory things. That's his, the qudra of Allah is attached to non-contradictory things. Rationally possible. But it is, there is no better universe than this. There's no better situation than this because Allah didn't will it. Okay? From the standpoint of Allah's will, there can't be any change. There can't be anything better. Right? So that's, you say, oh, well, rationally speaking, yes, I could have had this nose or that nose. Yeah, that's all rationally, but Allah has not willed it. So that's why it's impossible. And this is the best that it is.
what your situation right now is the best. And don't forget you're in the dunya. So there is going to come a day and it's going to be a moment where you realized absolutely none of the details of the dunya mattered. The, the, the superficials details not the details of de- of actions that those matter you're going to come to realize there's a come a day that comes all of us will recognize two things none of the material details of this dunya mattered at all not even one speck and all of the details of our actions mattered every decision mattered if there was an ant that you could have saved but you killed it that mattered i mean with uh, if you do an Adam's weight of good or shar, khair or shar, you will see it. You will see it's going to matter. So much so that there was one of the Sadahin, a murid, very upright murid. He died. His companion saw him in a dream. He said, well, What did Allah do with you? He said, He brought me forth between Jannah and Nar. Not in Jannah, not in Nar. He said, You? After all your efforts, not in Jannah, not in Nar? He said, I was between both. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, There is one deed that I ask you why you did it. He said, What is it? He said, You were walking and there was a wheat stalk in the road. And you tossed it over to the farm on the right. But there was also a farm on the left. Why would you toss it to the farm on the right, not to the farm on the left? Like You didn't know whose it was. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came to such people who their wara, their cautiousness in, the, in religion, the medicine for that, or to keep them upright, was to make sure they never cut corners. That's why Allah showed that dream to them. Okay, someone say, oh, well, so righteous. Wouldn't Allah have mercy for, for such people who are so righteous? Well, when you're young and righteous, you may be tempted to start cutting corners. So Allah was sending a message to his companion, don't cut corners in the deen. Everything counts. Every matter counts. Uh, what don't sweat the details is in the material things of life. Right? Because that there will come a day that nobody cares. And there was one time I had this, felt that way. There used to be a wedding hall. Everyone used to do their weddings at this hall. It was a hotel. It was the, the, the happening place. Everyone do the wedding at the same place. It was polished. It was amazing. Well, years passed. Many, many years passed. And there was a reason for me to go back to this hotel to see if we rent it out. Well, apparently it changed ownership. Who knows what happens? This place was decrepit. And you know when years pass and you go to a place of your childhood and it feels like I went back in time. It's like I, would, I, I left this... That era of life was like a world. It has its own memories and its own time and place. I left that and I came back to it and now it's in a complete decrepit state as if nothing here mattered. That's a little microcosm of how things will feel like. So that is Tharika Fadlullah, Al-Islam Al-Hidayah. He gives it to whomever he wishes. And we stop there from Tafsir of Surat Al-Jumu'ah. Now let me tell you something that we're going to come upon, I'm sure, later in the Tafsir. Namely that uh, it's called Surat Al-Jumu'ah because Jumu'ah was always a habit of the Arabs. To give a speech and to gather on Friday. In the middle of the day. That was probably maybe, who knows, part of the Sharia of Sayyidina Ibrahim that trickled down and remained amongst them. And so in the beginning of Islam, Jum'ah was not fart. It was a mandub. It was just like a custom that the Prophet continued, but it was not fart. So the Sahaba 
heard the beating of drums one day while the Prophet was given the khutbah in his mosque in Medina. And they all looked and they started to talk because you could talk back then in Jummah. It's just a regular talk. It was not, there was no concept of Salat al-Jummah as an obligation at that time. And they said, it is so-and-so has returned from a journey and has a lot of new goods, food, raisins, different foods, different items that they they uh, purchased from Syria. So they ran out and they said, quickly, let's buy everything up before we lose out on it. Okay. Except 12 Sahaba. 12 Sahaba said, stayed. And the Prophet ﷺ said, if you had left, and all of you had left for the caravan, the whole Ummah had left from the caravan, from your Prophet, the city would have been burnt alive. Allah would have burnt it down. Right? That science shows that like you, you all turn your back on the Prophet that quickly. But that these 12, you saved the Ummah. So that's why Imam Malik holds in his fiqh, his usul in salah, is that the only way we take salah, there's no aql in it. There's no rational component to the ritual law. Ritual law is how God wants it to be. That's it. Not what you think God wants it to be. So he said that the least that makes Jummah valid is the least that the Prophet ever did Jummah with. And so he said 12. I believe that other madhahib just took it by the word Jum'ah, which means gathering. And what is the, in Arabic, there's singular, dual, and plural. So they said three. What's the Hanafi opinion on that? What's the least that you can pray Jum'ah within Hanafi's fiqh? Who knows? Is it three? I don't know. I don't want to, uh, you know, you know, they always uh, get upset when I speak about the Hanafi school. So we need that. All right, it's okay. We don't. It's not critical. But um, yes, yeah, speak. Three people besides the imam. See, it's like jama, jama. So that's the idea and that's the concept. All right, let's uh, move to segment numero dos. Segment number two here is to take anything that the live audience has to say first before we go to the YouTube audience. YouTube, audi- uh, YouTube audience, and we have here the... Instagram audience. All right. Um, what do you guys have to say? You all good? Feroz, what's happening? You good? How's that medical school situation? You still doing it? Yeah, I leave in August. Oh, man. Leave where? To where? To the Caribbean. Oh, subhanAllah. Shoot. They're, they, they're listed in different books. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Gulam Ghazi is asking about the salah in the areas, territories of land where um, it's like s- abnormal hours, six months nighttime, six months daytime. So firstly, the best people to ask is the imams there. They've been through this. Um, you know, they've been through this. 
so the best thing is to ask them. But secondly, the the best thing to do is, or the common opinion is to follow the closest city where they pray at normal time, at normal times. That is probably your best thing. Okay. Follow the closest city. All right. So you keep going south until somebody prays on time, like in normal five prayers, and then you just follow that. And others said you just follow Mecca. But it makes more sense to follow the nearest city. Okay. Are there any people from the summer intensive at the podcast now? Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, Islam is eight. Whereas another gentleman from here is nine. Nine, alhamdulillah. In the Maliki school during Janazah prayer, do we raise our hands at each tikbir? No, just the beginning. Just the first tikbir. What is the sunnah way of marriage nowadays? Girls' side throws a big wedding and the boys' side does a walima next day. Is it necessary for the girls' family to do this? No. The walima is a sunnah. And it should be paid for by the groom's side. But it's a sunnah. All right. There's nothing about it that is a fart. What do you think of Muslim joining the military to become a medic? Um, when there is a forbidden thing, hypothetically, in most militaries are not engaged in lo- lo- wars that are Islamically valid. Any help, direct assistance in the chain, whether you, no matter what you do, sewing their uniforms, cooking their food, all of it's forbidden. Same today, just in case, again, uh, raise your attention to this. If you are a New Jersey resident, Let me read this. Okay. If you are a New Jersey resident, attention, New Jersey resident. If you're in the healthcare industry and your employer expects you to be part of gender transitioning procedures in a way that discomforts you, please DM me with your name, email, and nature of your work. We're arranging a virtual meeting with some lawyers and religious freedom consultants. Hey, guys, let me ask you something. If I'm in iMessage, right, and I delete a message... Does it delete for the other person? If they have iOS 16. If who? If they have iOS 16 or later. When was that released? Last year. It was about three years ago, probably. Mm. You would know, too, because it says delete for, like, when you delete it. What if it doesn't say that? If it doesn't, then it's just, it's just your, like, message. Is it unsent or delete? It said delivered, but I want to delete it. It's not compatible. Oh, so I'm the bad guy now. <laughs> it's not compatible with my iPhone. Why is that? Yeah, it's an iPhone seven. I, iPhone seven doesn't get um, iOS sixteen. I need it then. Well, why why can't I get iOS sixteen? <sighs> so iOS 16.5 is the latest. Uh, It says download and install. How long do you think it would take to download and install? It should only take an hour. Okay. So after the stream, I'll try it. I'll see if it works. It includes 21 new emojis, probably 20 different genders, right? (laughs) Uh, Include other enhancements, bug fixes. All right. Some features may not be available. All right. Let's give it a 
notifications for web apps on the home screen, voice isolation, all right, duplicates album and photos, voiceover, accessibility, fixes an issue for us to buy. Mm, okay, didn't mention the deleting on text, but I guess that's maybe not so important for them to mention. But I guess I'll I'll try to update it. Yeah. iOS 16? Yeah. Why is that? It, that just happens most years. If you get like a newer version of the software on an older phone, your phone will probably just crash and apps will start crashing. That's happened to me. I had like an iPhone 4. Oh, it's not compatible with the... Uh, yeah. Okay. It's like uh, with tajellis, right? Taj- spiritual tajellis and your your mind is still small, right? And your right, he fries that your mind and then you become a majloop all right here we go what else do we have here what's a good routine for salah or salawat dhikr and quran recitation a good routine for salah dhikr and quran recitation very simply it is uh we did in the morning Wirid at night. A hizb or more of Quran in the day and a thousand salah on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Least of the uh, salah on the Prophet is Allahumma salli wa sallim alayhi. Shams al-ma'arif. You have to burn it if you see it. It's a book on how to use the jinn. Okay. All right, let's see what else we have in Instagram here. Rafiq, how can I justify, clarify Maliki praying with hands down? Go to safinasidi.org slash sadl, S-A-D-L, lowercase, and you'll see the adilla. But essentially, all the four imams have recognized qabd, but in, put it in different statuses. For example, the Shafi'iyah, as a sunnah, the ahnaf as a sunnah, the hanabila as a sunnah. Oh, no, sorry, not even a sunnah, an, uh, a fadila. They all put it, there's fard, fara'id, there's sunan, and there's fada'il. Okay, and there's rukhas. There's four, these are like four levels. None of them put it as an obligation, none of them put it as a sunnah, they put it as a fadila, a light sunnah. Okay. Malik put it as a rukhsa. In the nafila only. Right? It's a rukhsa in the nawafil. That's it. So they all have it. It's not like we don't have it. We have it. But we Malik put it somewhere else. Why? Because that's what he saw the Sahaba doing. Praying with their arms down. And in that document, uh, on that website, safinasided.org slash sadl, you will see that... Um, the narrations that the Sahaba and the Tabi'een used to remove people's hands if they were clasped. Right? Break it up. Unclasp yourself. Where did they get that from? And what is the strongest sunnah in the sight of Malik? A hadith that's mutawatir. Or amal of the fuqaha of Medina and the people of Medina. That's mutawatir. People of Medina, if it's something that is um, daily daily something everyone's doing it every day there's no way that it could have been corrupted in one generation and by the way that because the old days is not like today today you can't have corruption in one generation 
You can corrupt a whole population because transmission of stuff, information through technology is so quick, right? Something becomes legendary within two weeks or what's the word they use? Um, Widespread? Not even, no. No, bigger than that. Like, um, for example, Muhammad Ali, right? Or their picture, the picture of guys in, I think, Korean War putting up the U.S. flag. Remember that picture? Iconic, that's the word, right? Things become iconic in two weeks. It took 220, 30, 40, 50 years for an image to become iconic. Now, why is that? Because if something has been seen by enough people and loved by enough people, it becomes an iconic image, right? So that took, in the past, 40, 50 years for an image to become iconic. Today, things spread so far and wide, something that has a, uh, stays in the hearts of people for five, six, seven years, it's iconic, right? So today, it's, it's fathomable that uh, people are corrupted in, in uh, 60 years. We've seen it in front of our own two eyes, but not in the, in the old days. People, there were that, uh, people didn't have that kind of power to corrupt a generation in, in, in such a short period of time. What are your thoughts on Ibn Sina's philosophy? My thoughts are what Imam al-Ghazali says, not what the later Ash'aris say. Later Ash'aris, they, they like rehabbed him, right? And they, they made Tawbah at his death and all that stuff. But I say what Ghazali said. Zindiq. That's my... Okay. That's what I, that's what I see from his philosophy. I don't see the rehab part of things. So. I have a quick question. Go ahead. So, um, with Eid coming up, yeah. um, I did hear a question about, uh, like, doing Qurbani for somebody who's passed on. Like, yeah, you can do that. You can do a Qurbani for someone who passed on. Um, <coughs> yeah. And tend the reward for them. Yes, go ahead. Um, so a lot of us are traveling, and uh, I was wondering if it would be permissible for us to combine our salah, um, and we follow the Hanafi madhab. So, is there any room for like you know combining the salah, like asr and dhuhr? Yes, you can combine it at the end for the Hanafi school. I, I can't speak for the Hanafi school, but what I did here is the dhuhr um, at the end of dhuhr and asr at the beginning of asr. That's the, the, their version of, of combination, if my memory serves correct. Trimming the nails and hair in Eid, d- does it apply? What if a woman is on Haid? I never read that the Shath is applicable only to the men. Talib al-Shath is applicable only to men. I didn't hear that. In Hajj, the Ihram of a woman also disallows her when she's in the state of ihram she's also disallowed from cutting her hair and her nails and the talab al-shath for the non-hujjaj us we're not in hajj um is a type of mimicking ihram but not by dressing a certain way but by making it a light sunnah to not clip your nails or your or shave or cut your hair so it does apply to the women too does the Quran descri- describe the color of Allah as black? A'udhu Billah. A'udhu Billah. Color only has... And the, and the man, to be, uh, to be fair to him, he says, I have this doubt. No. There's nothing so, like that at all. And by the way, color 
is a'arid. It's something that only exists upon something else that exists. All right. So when we classify things, okay, we have a cosmology or an understanding of how to classify things. So first of all, for something to be a thing, it has to have a physical reality to it. Physical reality does not mean we have to see it. So there are waves traveling across now, right, and we don't see them. Okay. So if I turn a radio on, for example, turn the Wi-Fi on and use it, there is a wave back and forth. That wave has a very subtle reality, a physical reality to it, even if it's extremely subtle. I can't see it does not mean it doesn't exist, and it doesn't mean it has a form. So when Allah creates something, the, the idea of it being created is it takes a form. The ruh is not an idea. It's a form. We can't see it. It's extremely subtle. Malaika flying around. Jinn, they're forms made of different things. We can't see them, but they are forms. All right. So, A'arad is something that can only exist upon another thing that exists. Like what? Speed. Speed can only exist if something is moving. Speed cannot exist by itself, right? Redness, color, color is like that. It's a arid. Cannot exist except upon a jism. A, a, a something is a shape when it takes a jism, the form of a jism. And we say there is a dharra, and there is a, a like a, a johar and a jism. Okay, the johar is the least, the smallest particle that could possibly exist. And a jism is two or more of them, right? So that's how we define things. And so um, we cannot attribute anything that is restricted to the physical world to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he's not consistent of a johar or a jism. And that is what makes him mukhalif lil-hawadith. He's different from created things. He is transcendent beyond being composed of anything uh, of any matter so anything that is a subset of matter so color is a subset of matter it only exists upon matter speed only exists upon matter direction only exists upon matter location only exists upon matter movement is only a uh, uh, is a, f- a function of matter so once we d- d- uh, negate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh is not composed of matter, we are also negating color, speed, shape, form, direction, location, movement. Negate all of these things. Okay. Uh, The Arsh of Allah, MXBD, the the throne of Allah is carried by eight malaika, eight angels. That is the reference of eight in the Quran. had nothing to do with eight eyes. There's nothing to do with Allah possessing, being possessed of eight eyes. Okay. What the number eight in the Quran that you may have heard is eight angels carrying the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the throne is a creation. It's a, the, the biggest creation of Allah. And it's not a throne that is sat upon. Because again, sitting would be a function of physicality. Okay. And physicality is negated for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Sayku 95, Jazakallah khairan for your dua. Can you address the misconception of Iblis saying he is free from punishment because he, he didn't hear Allah's speech when he told him to bow to Adam? Uh, no, we don't have anything like this. This is false. Um, Iblis did hear, and Allah subhanahu he did answer the question, why have you not prostrated when I commanded you to? And Iblis answered. He didn't say, I didn't hear you. He answered. He said, I'm better than him. That's why I'm not prostrating to him. I'm superior to him. You created me from fire. You created him from earth. And earth is a, a fire is a more beautiful and, and, and attention-grabbing element than is the earth. So he clearly did hear the question or the commandment. Then Allah questioned him about it. We heard it a second time now. And he answered it. So, can I get a tax deduction for my udhiyah and qurbani? Yes, you may. Nothing wrong with that at all. You can. If you, if you give your qurbani to a charitable donation uh, organization, nonprofit, you can list them as, uh, as a tax deduction. Nothing wrong with that at all. Okay. Will you get majdub if your dhikr is just salawat? No. That's why the door is open for that because it will cool you down. It won't um, have a negative impact upon you. This might be a big question. What are your thoughts on Muslims in North America justifying mortgages because of inflation? There are, yeah, yeah, at least on the face of it, contracts that are valid by the Sharia and that ulama have signed off on and muftis have signed off on through guidance and through university financial and through other things. They just the muftis have signed off on it, and me as a Muslim can can use such a contract. What are your thoughts on Maududi Al Hindi? Never read his books. Oh, but of course, his organization is Ikna. Now, they all go back to Maududi, but I haven't read his books to be honest with you. If Shaitan is a jinn, is he made of fire? Yes. Okay. How much do I have to study to the point it becomes tardy on one to do ijtihad? Can you re, re, it becomes farad on one to do ijtihad? You will never reach the level of mujtahid mutlaq. You may reach the level of mujtahid in nazila, which means mujtahid within the confines of a school of thought only for new matters, new matters that develop. That you can attain that level of being mujtahid fin nazila and you do that by studying with the currently existing mujtahid uh, muftis in any madhab until they give you the stamp that you are also a mujtahid like them in the same way how do you I be a doctor Feroz is going to be a doctor you go and you sit at the feet of a whole bunch of doctors which they call medical school until they give you exams and they stamp you it's the same thing it's the ijaza instead of from one physician from like 50, right? And every time you pass a course, that's like an ijazah from that professor that you know what you're talking about in this subject, right? So when it's time to study, for example, viruses, it's time to study diseases, pathology, time to study endocrinology, whatever it is that you're studying, okay? Um, and you pass the course, that's the ijazah in that course. You get, you, you get a, a bunch of ijazas, you go. 
you sit for your mufti exam, which is the boards, right? You pass that, and khalas. Are there any mujtahids in America that you know of aside Sheikh Rami would be the, for the Malikis. Sheikh Rami. In America? Yeah. In the sur. Um, Sheikh Yasir Fahmi maybe is also can issue fatawa on new matters. Allahu Alam. I didn't talk to him about it. And uh, but Sheikh Rami is the oldest and the most knowledgeable uh, from amongst the Maliki fiqh, uh, Maliki madhab here. That doesn't mean I know everybody, but from what I know, I'm saying there could be someone who we we don't know. But um, from the other madhabs, Allah knows best. I'm sure there's many. The black turban is better. I lost it. It's unreal. How do you lose a turban, right? The cloth, the piece of cloth itself. I lost it. Okay. Uh, is it permissible to shave my beard or to shave your beard because it's causing arrogance? No, you fight the arrogance. But it doesn't have to, if it's a long beard, excessively long beard, that you can trim. Yes, because that's not uh, permitted. Uh, or that, I should say, not, not, I shouldn't say that's not permitted. I should say in the Medic, the Medic discouraged that. Anything beyond a fist length, he discouraged it because it would indicate like showing off an arrogance. All you need is a fist length. Some people, if they do have a massive beard, it becomes their brand. Um, that, right? And and it says piety all over it. And that could affect you. Yes, I understand that. What is a wird, says Ismail? A wird is something you do every morning or every night. It's something you do always. Okay. Is it wajib in Madiki Madhab to reply as salam? Yes. What if a blood brother's sliding in sister's DM? Uh, yes, that you, well, first of all, the commandment of the Prophet ﷺ to answer the salam is physically. If someone writes me a letter, I'm not in any obligation to reply back. If someone writes me a text, I'm under no obligation to reply back. An email, not under any obligation to reply back. If someone knocks on my door and says, Assalamu alaikum, let me in, I want to visit you. I'm under no obligation to reply back. If someone calls me on the phone, I'm under no obligation to pick up the phone. So the salam of the Prophet ﷺ is sunnah to give the salam when you see someone and then it's fard. To answer back as for a man who was salaming a woman and he's just trying to get a talk going that she's not obligated to reply to that salam or she just replies to herself so that she can she can remove the obligation she just says well i can salam to herself like that she can hear herself okay but that's a thing sliding in the dms <laughs> interesting the finlandy says huh what well, What's this inside joke about? I was just letting Saad Are you a slider? I was just letting Saad know in case he didn't hear you just to pay attention about that specific question. Are they slide into your DMs? Maybe that's what's he happening. He learns it from anime, so. Mm-hmm. Anime? The amount, no. People are obsessed with it. The amount of times we've heard about anime lately. <laughs> Well, which anime do you watch? Not, not that I would know. The right question said, which one haven't you watched? Are you serious? Wow. Wow. Who? Go ahead. Yeah, many people say that. Many of the fuqaha said that. that we don't reply the salam. Uh, salam is specifically for the Muslims. 
Many people have said that, yes. If not, that's the dominant opinion for sure. According to what I know. I've never heard otherwise. Except from some Egyptians who said, yes, they give Waikum Salaam to Jews and Christians and everybody else. You heard that too? And say, Merry Christmas and all. That's all. That's a bit excessive. Uh, if you compare that fatwa to take it any, to any other part of the world, it's rejected. Right? So it's like something that's solely specific, that time and place, and they may have a, um, a type of um, bias or. It's well known in Egypt, the Egyptians and the Christians, I mean, the Muslims and the Christians, they seem to have their like a very fluid relationship with one another. I guess that's good in the sense of the political side. But there are Coptics. I see that from the Muslim side. But the Coptics are still always whining that they're victims. and So I'm not a fan of whining pop, whiny populations. Yes. How do you describe uh, Hajj as a ritual to, to non-Muslims? It is a ritual of... It is a way in which we obey God. It's a ritual that the entire nation of Islam partakes in at the same time, right? In obedience to God, fulfilling and imitating certain things that Abraham and Sarah did and things that God commanded. That's how, uh, that's all I would, right? And it, by doing, if we do this, then God guarantees us he'll forgive our sins. And answer our prayers. That's probably how I would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Muslims in a university in Pakistan, PK, I guess is Pakistan, were celebrating holy. It was actually more like a desecration than a celebration. They say they're doing it for inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It is, is it unequivocally haram? Um, explain to me the origin of this holiday and what it's all about. It's a Hindu holiday where they throw colors into like a Hindu. Yeah, but what's does it involve like the birth of their god or the cow or what? I think it might probably have something to do with that. Hmm, someone look it up. What does it imply? I mean, I wouldn't do it at all anyway, regardless. But just curious, what it is, is it? The birth of the cow or what? Hindu festival that has been so welcome in spring. And is it seen as a new beginning where people can release all their inhibitions and start fresh? It's associated with signifies the triumph of good or evil as it commemorates the victory of Vishnu and Arisimha Narayana over Hiranya Kashipu. No, definitely not then. Yeah. Definitely not, especially with all those syllables. <laughs> <laughs> I know many, many Hindus use it as like uh, an excuse to like throw up other, other pretenders. Hmm? Because men, men, a lot of uh, Hindu men, they use it to grow up other, other women. Oh wow! It's so it's chaos. It's okay. <laughs> There's actually a, a photography documentary on Netflix. Mm -hmm. They showed like holy in India, and they're just like beating each other. Like they, they literally get wet shirts. They like women beating men. Like literally just beating them. Like Why? With wet shirts. I don't know. Like throwing color everywhere and just beating people. Like it looked pretty insane. Actually. I don't think a Muslim should partake in that, especially because he said it has to do with Vishnu and. Last year during Ramadan. Um, uh, we had a big holy fest on campus, and after all, we saw all the people with the holy fest stuff on their hands. Uh, uh, not acceptable at all. 
I say president, that's unacceptable for him to not you know, say release a statement. Yeah. No, we we have we have nothing to do with that stuff. Professor Muhammad Fadl says that the marriage with Aisha was not consummated right away. And dakhala biha can simply mean entering the home. Is it a legit position? No, it was not. That, that he's correct that it was not consummated right away. It was com- consummated years later, three years later, according to the words of Aisha. Why do we have to talk about Aisha's marriage when she is the only source of knowledge about this? She said it. She's the only source. If if And she's happy with it. So what is your obsession with the age of Aisha? You're obsessed with the age of Aisha for us. We're obsessed of the gender of your marriages, right? So these things, there is no rational. It's what God says is allowed. That's it. There's no rational uh, uh, pinnings on most moral questions. It's just what the creator said. What is the age? Right? And Allah Ta'ala gave us, you know, through the guidance of the Prophet Sallallahu that it's a sensible answer. When she can handle, physically can handle intercourse. That's the, the limit. She can marry at any time. Two-year-olds can marry on paper. But intercourse cannot occur until her um, body can handle it. Now, let's, take a, let's, let's zoom out here and extend the history of Sayyid Aisha. And then you see, ask the question, well, why would the, uh, we be tested with this young marriage to the Prophet ﷺ. And now people are asking us questions. Well, American sensibilities in the, over the last hundred years is not that big of a deal. All throughout history, in all the times and places, nobody had an issue with this. They had issue with other things. But no one had an issue with this. So for us to be tested, that we happen to live in a culture where they're really shocked by this, not a big deal. The amount of people that are shocked by this are very small relative to the whole rest of the world and all of 1,400 years of Islamic history. It's a small amount of people, right? You like it, you don't like it. Does it it matter? That's how it is. She's happy about it. Well, look who she became, right? So I think Allah had wisdom behind this marriage, right? Clearly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look, look, look at the result. You're questioning the origin. You're questioning, should a young girl marry this prophet like this? All right, let's see the result. And she is the leader of all women in her time. Right? When Sayyidah Khadija was alive, she was the leader of all the women. When Sayyidah Fatima was alive, there was no one that was considered higher than the rank of Fatima Zahra. And you could say, even say, Fatima from the household of the from the family of the Prophet and Aisha from outside the family of the Prophet. Because while Fatima was alive and the Prophet was asked, Who do you love most? He said Aisha. Who was after that? Abu Bakr, her father, he said. Right? Even Abu Bakr, he referred to her him through Aisha. Okay. And let's look at the results of it. Someone who is prolific in knowledge, prolific in teaching was followed even when she disagreed with the movement of the uh, capital. She went out to meet with Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib. She did not go to wage war against Ali ibn Abi Talib. She went to meet him, to cut him off, to have a discussion, and to have Talha and Zubayr speak to Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib and change his mind. 
make him come back, charge the killers of Othman, the assassins of Othman, prosecute them, and stay in Medina. Sayyidina Ali said, this is such a terrible experience that happened. We need a fresh start. This rebellion against Sayyidina Othman and ending in his assassination, a complete fresh start. The killers of Othman are such a massive swath of the Um. Of course, there were only a few people who did it, but they're followed by, they're represented by massive tribes. Prosecuting them at this tender moment will light the Ummah on fire. We'll delay the prosecution. Let's cool everything down by moving to, uh, to, to Kufa first. Kufa is a city established. Omar ibn Khattab came up with the idea and he commanded uh, Salman al-Farisi and Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas to find an area that was empty that was most similar to the Arab uh, habitat and establish a city there. They established it. They called it Kufa. Military garrison. Then it became a full-fledged city. So she was clearly involved in everything. At every turn, she's involved. She's a mufti. She answers questions in aqidah. All of the fiqh that women needed, they would go to her. So it looks like it turned out to be the right decision, right? And Allah doesn't make decisions. It's not a decision. Okay. In the sense of a decision like, well, maybe this way, maybe that way. That's for us because we don't know. Allah knows. It's for us because we have to make decisions. Allah does not have to make a decision, right? It, it's haqq and full stop. Should we take a moment, says Khadija Asif, to sit after last sajda of the first, third rak'ah before standing up and continuing prayer, not in the Madiki method. We do not do what's called jalsat al-istiraha, the sitting to take a break, we don't do it in the Madiki school. It's there in the Shafi'i school. If you need to take a break, you sit after the sajda, then you get up. Maybe it's easier on the knees or something like that. And it, it is masnoon from the Prophet ﷺ, but it's not something that is enough uh, a fadila in the Madiki school. Nor would it invalidate your salah, of course, nor is it something that I would probably not even discourage to do, unless you're doing it imagining that it's rewardable. Okay. Working at a consulting company, advising financial institutions. You may do that as long as what you're advising is halal. It's Rambutan says that holy is based on the defeat of a demon who attempted to assassinate another god on the command of his father. So these people are just like the Greeks with their dramas before there was ever Bollywood. I think that's what it is. They're always been dramatic people. So first they made their religion that way. Then when those stories ran out, nobody wanted to watch that anymore. No one's reading Sanskrit anymore. Bollywood movies. Drama. And that's it. All right, Jay Perez, can you get to my question, please? All right, let's go back to look for Jay Perez's question. How to deal with family or spouses who are hardcore Salafis have never branched out there out of their du'ats and scholars. Still in the 90s mindset, there are no scholars in the West. Okay. There was a popular phrase and tape that was passed, you know, popularized by them. All right. There don't need to be scholars in the West. We now have scholars in the East who are on YouTube that we can call on WhatsApp that we can study from, who have subtitles, 
And I deem that they are more worthy of following than your set of scholars. That's it. I'm a common Muslim. You're a common Muslim. Since there are no scholars in the West, right? Then don't tell me what to do. That logic is self-defeating. There's no scholars in the West. Then don't talk about Dean, right? No scholars in the West. Who are you? Who do you believe is most worthy of following in Islam? I'm not making any decisions. I'm a follower. I'm putting up the white flag of ignorance. Okay. Who are you most worthy of following? Bin Baz, Bin Othaymin. Who's alive today? Fauzan. Rabia al Madkhali. Abu Rabia or Rabia? Rabia al Madkhali. Okay. That's your decision. I respect your decision, but I disagree. I'm going to follow Al Bulti. I'm going to follow whoever else I want to follow from Ulama Isham, from Yemen. In Mecca, there in in Saudi, there's there's amazing Maliki scholars, Shafi scholars, Hanafi scholars, Hanbali scholars, amazing scholars, right? In Hadith, okay, there are amazing Syrian scholars, there are Indian scholars, Pakistani scholars, UK, UK, Sheikh Asrar. Sheikh Asrar. So you follow your who you believe is most worthy of following in Islam. I'm not going to argue Nusus with you. So that's my advice to Jay Perez. Oh, don't do this. Why? I'm not arguing with you. It's not my decision. How we pray, how we fast, what we believe. No, all, all I'm responsible for, I believe, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. After that, I'm a muqallid. I find out who is the scholars most worthy of following. I follow them. I may learn their evidences, but I'm not in which to head to debate evidences. I don't debate evidences. I can present to you what they said is the evidence. Right? So don't argue with me. If you don't like it, you go argue with them. Okay? Uh, to be a muqallid, okay, is not to mean that I don't know the evidences. I can. It means I would not have been able to derive it by myself. So I am imitating them in, their ev- in, in understanding their evidences. So... We should all aim to be fuqaha. The faqih is between the mujtahid and the common man. And the faqih is somebody who admits he's not a mujtahid. I can't come up with the evidences myself. I can't dive into the book and the sunnah myself and derive the evidences. But I can study the result of a mujtahid imam or more. I could study his conclusions and I could study his evidences. And the more... Uh, Conclusions and evidences that you study, the bigger faqih you are. How simple is that? That's why I never argue about aqidah and faqih anymore. I just tell you what the ulama said. This is who I'm following. Imam al nawi this is what he said about tanzih of Allah's attributes. Okay. Oh, but, but the evidence says this. What evidence? Why are you talking evidences? I'm not talking evidences. All right? I'm not talking evidences. This is... What Al Bayhaqi said this way before him, Nawi. This is what Ibn Hajar said after in Nawi. All right, so from the third Islamic century, from the seventh Islamic century, from the I think ninth Islamic century, Ibn Hajar al Asqalani, then the tenth Islamic century is Suyuti. They're all saying the same thing about the divine attributes. Oh, I'm going with that. That's very trustworthy to me, right? And who's going to differ with Bayhaqi, Nawi? Okay, uh, Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani Imam al-Siyuti Put them in a room 
right? And and you're going now to be judged by Allah, and you're the fifth one. I feel very confident in that judgment. I feel very relaxed. Someone says, listen, you're going to be part of a group and you're going to go to Jannah or not based with them. And you're going to be accurate, right or wrong, in the deen, determined based upon them, that group. And you give me. You, and I end up in a room with Imam Minnawi. I don't, after, I don't care who else is in the room at that point. Ibn Hajar, I wouldn't care who else is in the room at that point. As, as, forget Sunusi because he's only for us, right? But not forget Sunusi in a bad way. But I mean like yeah. in this Ummawaid, you all need his books. No Sunni goes without the books of, or even attributing to Ahl Sunnah goes without the books of Nawi. Even if you're not a Shafi'i. Or Ibn Hajar, right? And why do I always say them? Because they came late. They came when all the issues were done. Okay? Not all the issues, but most of the issues. In the realm of Aqidah. Where, where have been brought up by the Zanadiqah and the different firaq. Right? And things settled. The answers to, them, to those questions settled. Those questions didn't come up earlier. Uh, in the first early generations. They came up later. So we need to follow the scholars who answered them. That's the manhaj. How could you follow Al-Bulti when he was a supporter of Bashar al-Assad? I, to be quite honest with you, I did not uh, go into those things. I did not read those things. I did not watch those videos. I didn't truly follow the details of the Syrian regime. Especially when people... Um, all I could all I could say, the summary that I did agree with Sheikh Al-Bulti was that it is permissible for someone, a faqih, to be against revolution. Right? That was is permissible for a Muslim to have that position. Okay. So that was his position. No, let's take also look back. Was he right? What was the result of the revolution? Was very, very painful, right? Very and you didn't get the results you wanted. So maybe he did have a point with respect to all those who suffered, and with respect to the likes of Sheikh Muhammad Yaqubi, he went against Bashar al-Assad, and he also is a mufti. Is someone going to say Sheikh Muhammad Yaqubi is not at the highest level of Hanafi fiqh? Okay. And he has Asanid of gold in everything. Everything. It's not a single science, except I hear Sheikh Yaqubi when he speaks about it, his Asanid. This is one of the greatest... You know, scholars that we have who, especially who speaks perfect English too. Perfect meaning, he's very competent in the English language. He's not a foreigner who's trying to learn English. We're lucky to have scholars like this. But um, all I could tell you what they said, right? And if someone said something that was um, in support, directly in support of Bashar al-Assad, I can't really comment because I didn't see those directly. Yes, I know everyone, a lot of people say it, and they may, they regret that those statements were made. I did hear that. So I can't really... Uh, but that doesn't mean... Now let me take you to what is, is in the Sharia. It doesn't mean we can't still benefit from what he said in the Sharia. Right? If he made a judgment call on a political matter, which I'm sure he has his basis for in Sharia, that doesn't mean that all of his works of Sharia are to be dismissed. They're not to be. And on top of that, he died in the masjid, I believe it's Masjid al-Amawi too, giving a dars. Does that not indicate some husn al-khatimah? 
indicates husn khatima so <clears throat> will you do the class introduction to the maliki madhab again probably yes probably yes does anyone who goes around saying follows ibn arabi best avoided i'm not going to give you a judgment on ibn arabi i'm merely going to tell you what the ulama said about it that i follow the habaib we have a good opinion of him very good opinion of him and the syrians say many syrians i think i'd say all the syrians many syrians say we have very good opinion of him but his works are not uh to be read the habaib said this we don't read his works for two reasons number one there is accusations or doubts that they've been tampered with uh number two they have expressions in them that may confuse a person this is what they said and that's what i follow and that's what i pass on to everybody else is it my uh judgment no because i never read the books of ibn arabi to make to be able to make a decision on ibn arabi but that's what the uh ulama that i am a follower of and that's what they said okay Uh, do you think it's permissible for a sheikh to tell you to shave your beard because it's arrogance? No. Shave your beard? No. You can you can have it fist length. You can have it even shorter than that. Okay. Um, but does that mean that you can shave it to avoid arrogance? I, I believe not. No. Anyway, if you have a short, small beard, where's the arrogance in that? What's Amr Bintu saying? Answer my question. What is it? Hmm... Where's Amr Bintu's question? Do you, do you see it? Hmm? Oftentimes we come across difficult decisions. This is someone else's question. This is Hamza. Recommend navigating difficult decisions. If the decision has to do with a direct, explicit matter in the Sharia, then it's not a difficult decision. It's a difficult execution. That's a that's different but a difficult decision does not have clarity not explicit in the sharia okay you pray istikhara and you do istishara you do istishara which means to go and ask people who know better than you and you ask them what their opinion is and you do istishara and istikhara so you're not alone here's the thing this is the beauty of it beauty of all this you're not alone in Islamic scholarship, right? You, oh, you put yourself out there with an opinion. It's not my opinion. I'm not alone, right? I would not come up with my own opinion on something, right? When the amount of possibilities of being, you know, of text that you would have to go through before making conclusion. That's why Sheikh Yasir Fahmi's Sheikh, Sheikh Ahmad Tahrayan of Egypt, when he was asked this question, he said, there is no mujtahid on the earth today. All of us are muqallideen. Meaning mujtahid mutlaq. Even mujtahid in the madhab. Mujtahid mutlaq founds his own madhab. Mujtahid in the madhab can make decisions, new decisions within the framework of the madhab. Not, they don't exist. They haven't existed for a couple hundred years. But we don't need them to exist. All we need at any time is a mujtahid fin nawazil. In brand new matters. Using the uh, uh, existing opinions within the method but making qiyas on those 
Okay. So, um, all right, Amr Bintu's question. What do you think of the Western term Islamists used to deter Muslims from applying Sharia? Uh, they use that term to refer to people who want to treat Islam as a political party. That's what I believe. But um, my problem with that is that the Sharia will not be implemented by accepting a system that is contradictory to the Sharia and say, let us work within that system to apply a whole new set of laws that are from another system. That's the contradiction there. All right, what was that question? What What is saying? He's putting a lot of caps lock and stuff. A lot of capital letters from what what? Okay. He was yelling. You, Doc, skipped like two or three questions of mine. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Why? Question mark, question mark. No, because I just hit the down button on the comments to go all the way down. Okay. What's extremism? In the deen. How do I determine extremism in the deen? It's acts which are not... Um, uh, it, it's a degree of an action that is... That would contradict another virtuous action. That's where we would... That's where the line of extremism would go. Because as Imam Haddad said, no virtuous action of the Shunay will contradict another virtue. But where you are now starting to contradict another action... Another good deed. Doing a good deed in such a way that it actually starts to impinge upon another good virtue, that becomes extremism. Also, extremism, again, we're not alone. We go around and we connect with the ulama and see how they practice Islam. That gives us a balance, right? Beyond that is extremism. So, um, what's an example of extremism? The youth that said that he will fast and never eat the youth that said he will never marry so he wants to be just to free his time up for worship that's good but free your time up to worship to the point that you don't marry that's gulu, right that's extremism so when your virtuous deed is leading you now to contradict another virtuous sunnah well, all sunnah are virtuous can you fast these nine days of Dhul-Hijjah with the intention to make up the missed days of Ramadan you can make up missed days of Ramadan now, but one intention only, which is qada. You cannot make the intention of qada and um, nafl at the same time. How do I stay steadfast? Any advice, you, the, the company you keep will keep you steadfast because there is going to be a time when you're tired or your mind is drifting off somewhere else or your heart is rusting and slowing down the company you keep will keep you propped up sure. yes Hamza's asking if you can read his comment where is it he praised Bashar al-Assad far too much okay you can say that this was wrong, uh, if praising a tyrant, but it still permits us to take from his past works. Okay. Samir and Nas, 
I, ne- I, I, of course, met Samir al-Nas, Sheikh Samir al-Nas, but I never studied f- with him for a prolonged period of time. But I, he is one of the major scholars of hadith, uh, and, he, and he's also always comes to America and England. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Yes, that's true. How do you, uh, uh, someone in the family who is not on the path of Dean, but they have other good qualities and you love them for that, if they're older than you, it's harder to talk to people when they're older than you. If they're younger, uh, you can make du'a for them in the middle of the last third of the night. That's the best thing. And that's not, oh, we have nothing left to do. Let's make du'a. That is actually the first thing. And the most likely to get you results. Because they're, they're older than you. You can't really talk to them in that way. And stay close to them and show them the akhlaq. And sometimes it so happens that a lot of time passes and no one sticks around them except the people upon the deen then they realize what the deen did to these people versus the absence of deen from those people. I know I can't drink alcohol, says a questioner, but can we cook with it? Hanafis? I believe that the Hanafis... Uh, you, uh, uh, Ali, the questioner, find your local Hanafi and ask him. So, so if I see a Hanafi walking out of a uh, liquor store, I should have Hosna Dhan. Maybe he's just cooking a liquor korma or something. <laughs> Is it wrong to curse those who have significantly wronged you? And to ask, but I, should, I shouldn't say that because entrance into such a place would be forbidden, probably in the Hanafi school. Entrance into a liquor store would be forbidden. Maybe uh, there are other rulings that the Hanafi scholar can... Uh, Expand upon But I know in the Madaki method We cannot do that That food will be mutanajis There's something is najis in itself When you Make something else najis That becomes mutanajis So an apple is pure Dunk it In Let's say alcohol It becomes mutanajis It has become najis Also I want to warn people Who go to restaurants And eat the fried food In those restaurants That is let's say Seafood if they use the same oil as the non dabiha meat, which is najis, the oil is mutanajis now. So don't eat the fried food in a regular restaurant that has all sorts of different foods in it, meats that are not permissible for us to eat. If you want to study, go to arcview.org. That's where you need to go, arcview.org, and sign up. Because the summer semester is going to start after the 4th of July weekend. Hamza Riza says, how are your visitors? Jawahir. Jawahir. Jism. Jawahir. Dharra. Jawahir, Ibrahim, and company. Jawahir. Jawahir, Ibrahim, and everyone else. Yes, that we're, wasn't there someone else here? Yeah, he had to he, take a call. He has to take a work meeting. Work meeting yeah. So how long are you guys here for? Um, however long you want us to be here. MashaAllah. That's good. So you stay here for the 
Like the weekend? Yeah, pretty much Thursday. Okay, so it's Tuesday today. Uh, probably we go take them out. Yeah. Huh? Wherever you want. Or Oak Tree Road. Yeah. Are there a lot of uh, Desi re- uh, community and Desi restaurants in Atlanta? Okay. Okay. Um, no. It's youth night. Yankees game. Yeah, New York Yankees. Middle schoolers only. Middle schoolers. Ibn Khuzayma says, uh, the quote of Ibn Khuzayma, the one who doesn't affirm that Allah is above the seven heavens, established himself above the throne. Um, it, then he is a kafir. We'd have to see the Arabic that he said, but that doesn't really move the needle. Ibn Khuzayma's works were read and established and, and assessed by the Mutakallimin and the scholars of Aqidah and He's not the be-all and end-all, nor is it impossible for someone to make a mistake. So it's irrelevant because not saying that every single muhaddith or anything was always correct. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That is it for today. It's now 3 o'clock. All right. Who are some of the elders of the Al-Ba'alawi? Okay. Um, we can we can discuss that inshallah. We can open up the website of uh, where the biographies of the Ba'alawi are are um, listed, and we could read them inshallah another day, maybe with stories of the Awliya. We can read some of the biographies of the Al Ba'alawi, and then we'll do the same with the Qadri. And, but do they have a? Are there websites? Because some of these paths and these traditions are extremely vast to the point that you could never gather all of the like contemporary qadriya it's all over the world right all right we can go to the next screen inshallah shadhiliya massive tijaniya massive you can't ever possibly gather all of them into a, a book the Ba'alawi also massive but not as widespread like more central because of um just the nature that it had not been uh, as widespread across the ummah as um, the, those other turuq. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma ja'li nuran fi qalbi wa nuran fi qabri wa nuran fi sam'i wa nuran fi basari wa nuran fi shari wa nuran fi bashari wa nuran fi lahmi wa nuran fi dami wa nuran fi idhami wa nuran fi asabi wa nuran min bayni yadayya ونورا من خلفي ونورا عن يميني ونورا عن شمالي ونورا من فوقي ونورا من تحتي اللهم زدني نورا وأعطني نورا واجعلني نورا وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Oh, oh, oh.